and welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Going for Two, presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel. I am your host, Matt Brown, I'm the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter. I'm joined here by my friend and colleague, Brian Fisher of D1 Ticker. And uh, we're excited today because we're marching through our conference previews. And I think a lot of our peers in this industry are doing conference previews. That's great. It's the thing to do. There's a bunch of schools to cover. Most of them are just centered around the Power Five. Maybe you have one that extends an olive branch to the G5, which is wonderful. We did the same thing here, too. But we're all about getting into the weeds. So today, we're going to talk some SCS football. We're going to talk some structural big picture issues for FCS football. And we're going to talk about some actual teams and players. Uh, because chances are, at some point over the next couple of months, if you're a casual fan, you're going to find yourself watching an FCS football game. And many of you care very deeply about some of those FCS teams. We want to make sure that we reach you uh, on that level as well because we don't just want to write about them when someone's changing a conference. Yeah, I mean, and, and we'll get into it a little bit with Sam Herter here in, in just a second, but what's great from my perspective is, is the visibility of a lot of these FCS games has, has skyrocketed. You yeah. know, you used to have maybe some illegal streams back in the day if you really wanted to go after a, a few of these games. You know, maybe they're perhaps if you were lucky enough to have them on, on your local television sets, if you were, say, in the in the Big Sky Territory or, or Mountain uh, Missouri Valley uh, Football Conference. But, you know, now, uh, with especially with a lot of these leagues, on ESPN plus it, it's great. You know, if, if, whether it's Friday night, whether it's, uh, you know, Saturdays when, when things kind of get slow at the FBS level, it, it's fantastic to put on a lot of these teams. And certainly the, the amount of interest in terms of the FCS playoff, I think that it, that has grown uh, considerably in terms of just the casual fan being able to tune in and watch these games, whether they're on ESPN two or uh, ESPN plus, it's been fantastic to kind of see the growth uh, in, in, in uh, on of, of FCS football. And I think more is coming uh, not only to this level, but I, I think given the big changes that we look at and anticipate with Division One, uh, I think a lot of news is going to be really made at, at this level as well. Yeah, the I, I, think, I think you're right there. We, it's going to be easier than ever to watch HB, HBCU football games. There's going to be some big sky late at night. There's, there's, there's uh, many of these games are simulcast locally. There's going to be several of them on TV in the beginning of the season as they play FCS opponents. And as we'll, we'll get to in this conversation with Sam, the on-field play, even after some very big defections from the FCS level, has arguably gotten better, right? As, as yep. teams get better with nutrition, they get better resources, they get better talent evaluation and recruiting. There's fun football. There's good football. There's not the depth of football that there is at any other level. But the name brands are a little bit different. So, and then coaches are watching a lot of these games too to uh, kind of identify stout, uh, a yeah. few folks that uh, might be able to make that that jump. You know, I think it was you know back in the day you you might be able to get some some film here or there, but uh, now it's it's as easy as you know popping on on ESPN Plus and and, and finding some some old archive broadcasts. And uh, I mean, we'll see several impact. FCS transfers, uh, you know, at the FBS level, even the, at the Power Five level, you know, you look at Washington State starting quarterback, uh, you know, you know, yep. there, there are a lot of big names that are, are making that jump, and uh, it just kind of proves that maybe the, the overall depth, uh, you know, over the course of the season can can be exposed between the differences of the, of the two levels, but um, you know, one game anything can happen, and and we've seen that with the increased amount of FCS over FBS uh, upsets the last couple of years. Let's go ahead and uh, and, and kick it over here to Sam, uh, who can tell us a little bit more about what to expect this season. Um, Sam, thank, thanks so much for taking some time here to chat with us. Uh, let me start by asking uh, maybe a, a very big picture question because North Dakota State is, you know, your, your preseason top uh, top program still has a, a near stranglehold on, on this level, but we've seen several high-level programs leave FCS over the last decade, um, and there's going to be more leaving in, in the near future here as well. If you are a fan of somebody that's either with North Dakota State or somebody else near the top, is there a concern that 
the FCS is being diluted if there's no more James Madison or no more Sam Houston or, or no more of some of the, the schools that were challenging NDSU? Yeah, I think that absolutely is a concern, and that's been a big talking point uh, throughout last fall and into and into this offseason is, you know, what is the FCS level? Where is it heading? Um, and it's something I've talked about maybe a little bit too much <laughs> in my podcast throughout the yeah. offseason of just, you know, what the FCS is now compared to what it was in 2014. Um, it, it's it, it's pretty different, and I think you can go two different ways with it. I, In my opinion, I think the FCS, as far as the talent it's bringing in, the talent on the field is better now than it was in 2014. Um, I think the media attention and the, overall expo- and the overall exposure in the FCS is way better now than it was in 2013, 2014. Yeah. Um, and I honestly think some of the teams are better now than they than than in 2014 a lot of teams have risen their game you know for example i think last year's east tennessee state team probably would have beaten that 2013 2014 app state team so i think team wise it hasn't taken like a huge step back the problem is the programs right etsu may have been better than that app state team was when they left but app state kind of carries that blue blood fcs weight to it etsu doesn't and so When you have North Dakota State winning nine of the last 11 national titles, it doesn't seem like many teams can close that gap. And then when you lose teams that at least have the ability to close that gap, like James Madison, Sam Houston, Jacksonville State, you can go back further to Coastal Carolina and all those teams. I think there is a concern of, is it really going to be NDSU winning another eight national titles in the 2020s? Um, and, at the, and at what point does those FCS national titles stop meaning less because NSU just keeps winning it? FCS fans are getting bored with the playoffs. NSU fans are getting bored uh, with the playoffs because they're dominating. So kind of long-winded way to say that, yes, it is very much a concern. I, I mean, Sam, the, the NDSU president always seems to pre- pretty much on, on a yearly basis now shoot down rumors of a, a move to FBS. I, I'm, I'm kind of curious, just given everything that's going on with Division One overall, uh, how seriously might the school kind of look at uh, making that jump? Yeah, I think internally the want to go FBS has grown quite a bit in the last couple of years. Um, I think I've definitely sensed uh, a changing tide there where in 2018 – it was, okay, you know, FCS is the place we want to be. But in 2019, supposed to be a down year, quote-unquote down year for NDSU, they go 16-0. and 0. It's kind of like, oh, geez, here we go. I think the COVID year also made NDSU reevaluate things because they wanted to play football in the fall. James Madison wanted to play in the football in the fall. No other teams had the budget and the resources to do that and do all the testing. And so I think that kind of made NDSU go, you know, are these really the peer institutions football-wise yeah. that we want to be with? And then – this last year, um, just with those three teams moving on to the FBS, uh, seems like a f- few more could come at any point if Conference USA wants to expand. I think that has really been the tipping point where NDSU has kind of held its, its card close to its chest. They'll always say, we're monitoring the situation. We're positioning ourselves where if that opportunity ever comes, we can make the right decision. So they're not really being aggressively public toward, yeah, we, we want to do go to the next level. But I think internally, uh, they... I think they want to go FBS somehow, some way, but they want it to be the right situation. Conference USA isn't the right situation. Mountain West is the dream situation. I even think if the American called, I don't know if that would ever happen, but I think they would even consider that because they they rely a lot on ticket revenue. That's the difference between FCS and, and FBS that there's no yeah. TV dollars in it. And not a lot of FCS teams rely on ticket revenue. Montana does, Montana State does, NDSU does. Well, that ticket revenue is going down. 
because they don't sell out anymore because fans are getting bored. And so, like I said, if NDSU wins eight more national titles and it's 2029, I mean, what are we doing here? Exactly. <laughs> On that note, let, let the record state, because I, I think the last time you and I talked, Sam, I got into a little bit of trouble about this. <laughs> let, let the record state. Conference USA has, has strongly pushed back on the idea that they've had any conversations informally or otherwise with North Dakota State. My understanding is North Dakota State's athletic director has done the same. Um, so uh, forgive me for being imprecise with my language before. That is the official line on that particular front from, from those both parties. I, I would I would I, 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 this will come up the next time I ask Conference USA about something. So I want to make sure. That, that was that was stated here uh, on the air. You, you did mention what I think are two of the more interesting programs heading into this year because there are a couple of, of more blue blood ish or or you know, t- t- programs that have a defined brand and have, have been successful before in Montana and Montana State. Looking at the preseason polls, looking at the expectations for those programs, they're both expected to be very very strong. I, I want to say they're they're both like I think both preseason top five. Um, who do you think right now is the stronger Montana? Uh, on paper heading into this season? Uh, That's tough. I think, I mean, Montana has more coming back. Um, I do think Montana State might have the edge uh, right now. I I realize that the Grizz beat the Bobcats last year in the Brawl of the Wild, uh, but they tell me a lot, Montana State starting quarterback. um, He wasn't playing then. Uh, Then there was kind of a mess. Right before the playoffs, Matt McKay entered the transfer portal. Montana State's starting quarterback, and so everyone was like, Montana State starting a quarterback just entered the transfer yes. portal right before the playoffs. Well, it turns out he actually got benched, and Tommy Malott, a uh, freshman from Montana, came in and, and kind of led them to uh, the national title game. And so I think that is kind of – I think they're on par, but that's the difference in uh, to me is the, the starting quarterback position. Montana has a question mark there. Montana State doesn't. Uh, but as far as just kind of the overall programs – yeah, you look at any top 25 out there preseason wise, whether it's someone's personal ballot or different polls out there, it's all North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana, Montana State in the top four in some order. Um, and kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about yeah. kind of program, not talking about like team, but like program and who wants to be good in FCS football, who wants to invest. Those are four programs right there. And especially the Montana schools, new facilities, passionate fan bases, not a lot of competition around them FBS wise. Um, you know, I broke some news earlier this week about Montana state is launching um, or not Montana state, but there is a, an NIL collective launching for Montana state football players. Um, and that could be a difference maker uh, right there. Cause I believe there's, there's one other known one in the FCS, which is Grambling. Uh, there is another one that I was told about uh, down South, but they're not, they're public, but not exactly public. Um, and so I'm kind of working on, you know what I can say about that one, but basically yeah. there's not a lot, they're not, not a lot in the FCS. And so Montana state is building, you know, toward being a, a, a true contender. Well, we might yeah. have to revisit those, those NIL uh, discussions in, in, in a second, but you know, I, you, we, talking about the Montana schools in, in, in particular, I mean, they're, they're coming into a new media deal with uh, the big sky to get some more over the air exposure for a lot of local stations, you know, in that region, we've seen a lot of these conferences have deals with ESPN plus. So it, it, as a fan, it's so much easier now to watch FCS football. And, and I'm curious how, how you kind of see the investment paying off from those TV dollars. If, if there are some, and, and, and as well as the exposure standpoint for a lot of these FCS schools, moving forward yeah i think the exposure part of it um is huge because before uh the big sky aired their games on um pluto tv uh which was okay it was free 
but you know it wasn't there's just the broadcasts were kind of kind of varied it, it wasn't that great but to just have yeah. that espn plus espn in the corner uh, of your games around, around the scoreboard going you know going down um at the bottom of the screen for games i think that that's a huge uh recruiting advantage um i, I think that's the main thing honestly is the recruiting just the exposure um less about the revenue um i want to say i don't think i'm too inaccurate in this but it's right around a hundred thousand dollars per school um for the big sky and some of that for some schools goes toward broadcasting equipment and cameras and stuff yeah. like that and so it's that's not a yeah we're not talking seven billion dollars or whatever, yeah. whatever whatever the hell the, the big 10 is but it, it, it is something um right and so i think uh all fcs conferences besides the caa now have some sort of um a, a partnership with espn and that just makes the overall level a lot easier to watch instead of you know scrolling through a thousand channels on pluto tv that's i mean that's that's exactly what they what they told us too like and my understanding is that uh other companies were aggressively looking to secure fcs football bids and and bit above what ESPN was offering, but that discoverability won out. It's easier to say if you get plus, you're going to get just about every important FCS football game rather than um, some other smaller streaming service. I want to ask you about something a little bit more on the field. You know, looking back with, with last year, one of the more exciting FCS quarterbacks was uh, Cameron Ward at UIW, a program that hadn't really been successful before. Uh, carried them to one of their, their, I think their best season ever, one of their best seasons ever. He's at Washington State now, along with his offensive coordinator. I know UIW is still getting some some preseason uh, love in the beginning of the year. Um, for people that haven't watched a ton of SES football, who are the quarterbacks that they need to be aware of? Either because these are people that might become FBS quarterbacks, or because they're going to be they're going to be playing late at night or on another channel, and you should watch them because they're fun, independent of being a potential FBS QB. Yeah, I think the the first one that comes to mind is Jason Shelley, um, who's kind of opposite. He went, he's not, he went from FBS to FCS. Yeah. Um, I believe he, so he he had a stop at Utah, uh, and then Utah State, or vice versa. You know, he made those uh, first two uh, stops, and now he's at uh, Missouri State, who's making you know a huge jump, you know, under under Coach Petrino. Um, and so he's one uh, to watch. Is uh, that, in my opinion, I think he's the best quarterback in the FCS. Uh, another one, as well, is Shadira Sanders. Um, you know, Deion Sanders, Sanders' son uh, at Jackson State, uh, four-star uh, recruits. Uh, when he committed to Jackson State a couple of years ago, you know, that was kind of unheard of, <laughs> you know, a, a four-star yeah. recruit going to an FCS school. Now that's, well, it's, I, I shouldn't say it's the it's the norm. It's not the norm, but we've seen it a couple of, of other times. I mean, Jackson State landed uh, the number one overall recruits uh, this last recruiting class. Um, but he's, uh, you know, was the freshman of the year last year, super, super talented. Um, you know, he, he leads a team that a lot of people have their eye on in the FCS, just of how good Jackson State can be. How do they compare to the North Dakota States uh, of the world? And so those are those are two uh, to keep an eye on. Another one, too, is Cam Miller from North Dakota State. Uh, you know, he he's interesting because he's not Trey Lance. He's not Carson Wentz. Um, he may not even be Easton Stick, three draft picks from North Dakota State. Uh and because of that, maybe even some NDSU fans are like, yeah, he's, he's okay. But I, I think he's pretty good. I think he might have like undrafted free agent level of talent. Um, okay. So I think he could be another pro quarterback from the FCS because again, I think he's pretty good, but he's being compared to Trey Lance, which isn't exactly fair. And so those are just some of the names that come to mind. 
It's interesting talking about a lot of these quarterbacks. You you didn't bring up the one, the one at uh, South Dakota State, uh, who, who's mm. had some success in, in, in the past, and, and I believe is returning from from injury, if, if uh, memory serves. Uh, it, it, looking at the MVFC, is, is is South Dakota State kind of that biggest challenger just from an overall talent level uh, to to North Dakota State, not just in the league, but but also for the national title. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, and that's Mark Ronowski, who had a fabulous uh, 2021 spring season, uh, but tore his ACL in the, in the spring national title game, uh, missed last fall. Uh, so South Dakota State brought in Chris Oladokin, uh, who ended up getting uh, drafted, I believe, in the seventh round. But Gronowski is back. Uh, by all accounts, his knee is, is looking good. Uh, that's going to be the interesting part because the kind of the main storyline during the spring in the FCS is how legit is this season? So many COVID cancellations and all that. And yeah. there was some stuff that carried over from the spring to the fall. And there was a lot of stuff that didn't like Sam Houston defending champs got whooped up on by Montana state in the playoffs. And so the question with South Dakota state is should have a good defense, great weapons. They might have a few draft picks on offense, uh, Tucker Kraft, Jaden or Jackson Yankee, excuse me. Um, the question is Mark Ronowski, you know, can he replicate what he did in the spring? Uh, I think he can. He kind of has that gamer mentality to him. Um, and, and to answer your question, yes, I do think South Dakota State is the top contender to North Dakota State in all of the FCS. Um, I think if there's one team that can go toe-to-toe with NDSU for all four quarters, especially in the trenches, um, it is the Jackrabbits. And they've done that too in the regular season, uh, You know, winning four of the last six regular season matchups. Um, it's just, and I've said this a lot, NDSU turns into a different animal in the playoffs where a South Dakota State kind of yeah. comes up short you know, when, when they need it the most. And so that's the difference between NDSU and South Dakota State right now. But it's it seems like we could get a... An uh, 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 all Dakota, all Missouri Valley football conference matchup in Frisco this year for the for the national title. One of the fun games that I know my corner of the internet likes to play over the first couple of se- weeks at the beginning of the college football season is trying to figure out which FCF te- FCS teams are going to kick some FBS teams' ass. Uh, which happens every year. And sometimes it's the really, really good FCF teams that does it. And sometimes it's a middling six and five team that, that catches a bad max squad on the right day and and, and clobbers them. I, I realize it's, uh, it's maybe putting you on the spot here for a little bit. If you want, if you want to pull up the schedule tab, like open here, but in those first couple of weeks, is, are there any games that you see like, wow, this has a lot of upset potential. I, I really l- like how Portland state matches up and X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I got, I, I did this article, you know, a, a few, it was probably a few months ago. So I kind of had to remind myself of which games I picked, but I mean, no yeah. surprise. The, the first one I have is North Dakota state going to Arizona. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, right. if the Bison were a, a betting favorites, you know, in that game and that rarely happens where you see an FCS team is, you know, minus three versus an FBS team. Yeah, I know what happened well. last year. I think when Holy Cross played, like UConn or UMass or something like that. So, yeah, you know, games yeah. like that, you might see it. But, you know, Arizona is tough because they're bringing in a lot of transfers. But I think NSU could win that game uh, decisively. Uh, may, may not decisively, but, you know, win by, by sure. 10 some points. Uh, another one is Sac State going to Colorado State. Uh, you know, we saw South Dakota State beat up on Colorado State pretty good um, last year. And so I think Sac State has an opportunity uh, to win that game. Uh, Colorado State is another team that brought in a lot of transfers. So that could be, um, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, what that team looks like. Another one, too, uh, and Matt, you mentioned this, is a lot of times it's easy to look at the top teams where they're playing FCS-wise, where they're playing in the FBS. But, there's a lot of middling FCS teams that play really bad FBS teams. And so whenever I see UMass playing an okay CAA team this year at Stony Brook, 
I kind of circle that and go, yeah, Stony Brook's okay. They're not bad. They're always tough, play really good defense, kind of, you know, black and blue style of program. I think they can go there, uh, you know, and, and beat UMass. And then one more that uh, on the record, I'm not saying this is going to be an FCS over FBS win, but I think South Dakota state going to Iowa is going to be a really, really good game. Um, yes, I, think yes, that's a, I, I think that's a one possession that game. Yeah, yeah. In the fourth quarter, I don't know if the Jacks are going to win, but I think they're going to have an opportunity to late in that game. I was looking at that one and I was looking at UC Davis and Cal because I, yeah. I, I look at both those P5 offenses as systems that are uh, generally not able to to pull away from people. And and even if they're they're whooping up on the line of scrimmage, could there be eight minutes left and it's 20 to 14 for either of those games? Yeah, like that. That definitely sounds like something that's uh, that that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I mean, th- th- those those make sense. You know, looking around like at, at uh, some of the other kind of struggling FCS team, FBS teams outside of UMass, though, I don't know if the, if the matchups are great. Like, I, I could think a lot of FCS teams that could beat New Mexico, but I pick Maine, maybe not. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, we 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 shall see. Is there anybody looking into this season that is not a perennial playoff participant or somebody that's that's seen a lot of success recently that you think I, th- I think they could really take a big jump? Um, you know, somebody that, that, you know, maybe didn't make the playoffs last year that, that could be in that conversation for this year. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's Stephen F. Austin. Um, now they did make the playoffs last year, but they lost, uh, in the first round. Uh, but they're getting a lot of top 10 preseason love. Uh, and a lot of people say, how can a team that lost right away in the playoffs to UIW be viewed that highly? Um, but I think SFA, uh, is certainly, uh, on, on the rise under their head coach, uh, Colby Cartel. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's gone from like, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like from four and seven to six and four to last year, uh, eight and four, uh, overall. Um, I know SFA has seen like an 85% increase, uh, in ticket revenue in his three years there. Um, wow. and so that's a fan base that's starting to get into it. Um, and I've heard, you know, they, they have a great AD as well. Uh, uh Ryan Ivy, I believe is his name. And I've heard him yep. do some interviews saying, Hey, we know we're SFA. We're known for basketball. Like we get that, but we don't want to be just a basketball school. We want to be good in football uh, as well. And so I think they're making some investments there to compete uh, at a national level. And um, yeah, like eight of 11 top tacklers coming back, all American quarterback, all American wide receiver experience, offensive line, a pretty favorable schedule. Um, you know, who do they, their FBS opponent is the, the whack a sun schedule <laughs> they were having that was like duct taped together like two days ago. I, it, I had to look this stuff up too. I don't remember who they're playing either. Yeah. It's, it's an odd, odd whack a sun challenge they have going on there, but even their FBS yeah. opponent for SFA, Louisiana tech. Um, I mean, Louisiana tech almost lost to SLU last year. Uh, it was like 45 to 42. Um, and so I think that could be an, uh, another FCS over FBS win. And so I, I think SFA yeah. is shaping up to be a contender. Now, again, this is the, this is the kind of the, not the problem, but the thing with the FCS is S- SFA is, I think going to be really good by FCS standards. Can they beat NDSU? No, they would probably lose by 17, 21 points to NDSU, but it's hard to compare FCS wise when you're comparing them to NDSU like Montana State's defense was really really good last year have some NFL guys on there and they got rolled up on by NDSU and so I think SFA is gonna be really good can they challenge NDSU I I don't think so but you know they could be a quarterfinal semifinal team yeah and, and, and that's fine just like we talk about teams on, on for the last couple of weeks at the FBS level that we think are good that will probably still lose to Ohio State by 21 points mm-hmm. right like that's j- just like we often preach 
to not let the college football playoff dictate your fan experience this entire enterprise it seems like a good idea for the for an fcs fan as well particularly if you're a root for somebody on the east coast or on the northeast like i mean that would that would stink if you were a colonial athletic association fan and and only defined your experience with uh could we beat north dakota state it's just probably not yeah i think that's fair too and i think that's kind of where like kind of w- with the FCS, it's it, a lot of teams. Yeah, maybe they won't win a national title, but you know, a run to the quarterfinals is like it's not their championship, but it's a huge deal. Like ETSC when they made a run to the quarterfinals last year, like that that's like a, a huge deal. And so uh, I think a lot of fan bases now aren't defining their season on if they win a national title, but hey, if we make the playoffs, that's great. If we win a couple games in the playoffs, like that's that's awesome for us. And so yeah, that's that, that's a good point. Speaking of huge deals, uh, I would be remiss if we didn't uh, go to Jackson State and uh, give yep. them all their success last year. The, you know, they make it all the way to the Celebration Bowl, kind of kind of laid an egg, I, I guess you could say. But um, I, I mean, Dion has gotten a lot of attention, not just for, for bringing in Travis Hunter. I, I think he's on the radar of several FBS ADs that, yep. uh, you know, what, maybe given the, you know, the amount of publicity and, and the, um, the good job that he has done there at Jackson State in terms of fundraising for facilities, not only bringing in talent, but, uh, you know, really kind of getting that program going in the right direction. What can we expect? out of Jackson State this year and are, are they kind of close to making a big run uh, of going undefeated again yeah I think they have a great opportunity to go 11 and0 this season uh, a big defining factor in that will be the week one game against Florida am um, which is you know that that could determine you know if, if let's say Jackson State does lose that game uh, you know that might mean a Florida am goes undefeated in the swack that might mean Jackson State can't play in the swack title game which means they might be eligible for an at-large bid in the playoffs, which that'd be kind of sweet. But I, I do think Jackson State will win that game. I think they have a great chance to go um, undefeated, uh, go to the SWAC title game, uh, win that one, and then go on uh, to the Celebration Bowl. Uh, I think they have a ton of talents. Um, I think they – I know they brought in a lot of transfers, um, I believe a handful on the offensive and defensive line. And I think that's the big difference between – like a Jackson state and a top 10 team in the FCS. I, I still think there is a gap there uh, in the trenches. Uh, and I know the talking point, one of the talking points between the FCS community is, you know, celebration bowl versus the playoffs, you know, celebration bowl makes revenue. The FCS playoffs don't for FCS teams. Uh, you know, can Jackson state schedule tougher in the non-conference? Can they schedule a North Dakota state to see how they stack up against uh, those top teams? And so the more, it's going to be interesting because you look at a lot of the polls and Jackson state is, is in that 13 to 19 range, but they're going to, in my opinion, I think they're going to keep on winning and winning and winning. And I can already kind of, I'm already mentally preparing myself for my mentions when I have eight and no Jackson state number 13 and, you know, maybe a six and two Weber state team number nine. Uh, But it's going to be really hard to gauge Jackson state on how good they are when their toughest non-conference game is Campbell who's okay. Maybe they're like in the thirties and forties, but they don't play a top 25 team. Their strength of schedule is probably going to be in the nineties. And so I think, I think they're a really good team. Um, I just don't know if they're top 10 yet. Um, And regarding coach Sanders, I, it seems like he might be, you know, is going to get a lot of FBS interest, but I personally hope he stays at Jackson state for a long time. Cause I think what he's doing there, what he's doing for the SWAC, what he's doing for the HBCUs, um, is phenomenal. Um, and I think that just obviously helps the FCS as a whole. And hopefully, you know, if Jackson State goes 13 and 0 this year, um, you know, maybe he says, maybe we want a piece uh, of the FCS playoffs. And maybe that kind of gets things moving in a way where maybe the FCS can find a way to, to maybe get more revenue uh, 
in the FCS playoffs, it's all of a sudden you have Deion Sanders saying, why is this this way? Why can't it be that way? And it seems like a lot of times yeah. Coach Sanders says something like, why aren't SWAC games on ESPN? Next thing you know, there's you know a few games every year on ESPN2 involving SWAC teams. And so he's, he's uh, been able to manifest some things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you touched on the last team that I, I wanted to ask you about, which is Campbell. Um, because for all of the attention that Jackson State, and deservedly so, has gotten for talent acquisition, they've signed a couple of, of really high-end recruits. They've been aggressive in the transfer portal. But you know, I've written about this, too. The team that signed the best 24-7 recruiting class in terms of high schoolers was Campbell. And Campbell um, just started moving up to the Colonial Athletic Association in a, in a couple of years. They have signed a lot of three-star kids that – should be or you know on paper should be Sun Belt or Conference USA guys if, if not more, but they haven't shown that on the field. It's it's been it's been a young team. I, I want to say they've only been getting scholarships for like a decade or or, or maybe maybe less than that. Um, how long do you think it will take to turn recruiting potential into on field results and where people to think about Campbell for something more than just having an extremely funny mascot? <laughs> yeah. Uh- I think they're still a couple of years away. Um, yeah, I, like you said, the number one ranked recruiting class, uh, I believe it's 11 combined three or four star recruits uh, in this class, in this last class, which is, again, you know, pretty unheard of uh, in the FCS. But that's why I go back to, I think, the talent overall coming into the FCS, whether it's recruiting or uh, the transfer portal. Um you know, I know there was concern that it's just going to be a bunch of FCS standouts going to the FBS, and we've seen that, but – uh, I, I think in my tracker, I'm probably off by a few numbers, but there is about 170 FCS transfers going to the FBS, which seems like a lot, but there's 500 plus FBS players coming to the FCS. And so um, that's kind of a, a, a side tangent there. But I do think yeah. Campbell um, is doing a great job bringing in uh, great talents. Uh, I believe they brought in some, some transfers as well. I do, I do still think they're a ways away, um, not a ways away, but a couple of years away to just build out that depth. Um you know, I think I know next year they are joining the CAA. Um, I think that's going to take some quote unquote getting used to because that's yeah. just a different level of of play when you go from uh, the Big South to the CAA. You know, next year it'll be the Big South OVC Association thing. But yeah, I do think there will be um, kind of a, a climbing period uh, for Campbell going to the CAA where I don't think they're going to contend for the CAA right away. Uh, but they have a great coach, uh, you know, they have things in place where it seems like they want to be good, um, in the FCS. And frankly, the FCS kind of needs some teams to step up like that in that region of the country. So it's not all all Dakota and Montana schools deep into the playoffs. It it is kind of funny how, like, if you overlay the, the FBS talent concentration and power program map, which is so heavily concentrated in the Southeast. Um, where the, the the big brands and, and championship caliber teams are, and then you overlay the FCS one, and that seems to be one of the big gaps. I mean, like there are good FCS teams there, and there's a lot of talent that flows from the the FBS to want to play closer to home in the FCS. But the 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 championship caliber teams and a lot of the blue blood teams, it's the Dakotas, it's Montana, it's uh, it's Utah. Increasingly, it's it's the different parts of Texas and and the rural parts of the Midwest that are absent in, in the big 10 i'm sure there's related there i'm sure there's a demographic story behind it but it is funny that you can almost like put the two maps on top of each other and not have a ton of overlap yeah yeah definitely and that's yeah it's, it's interesting and i think there's north Dakota state south Dakota state you know montana they have that advantage where um 
you know, you look at the, the FCS teams and kind of the South, Southeast, they're just, they just can't, they're, they're, they're competing. They're trying so hard to get attention, but there's so many FBS schools around them where it's hard to get media attention. It's hard to get fans to come. It's hard to get recruits when, you know, there's so many FBS schools, G5, Power 5 around, whereas for the Montana schools, there's only so many Division One schools, you know, out West. And so you might get a lot of guys that maybe don't have a lot of FBS offers just because they play in, in, in Washington or Utah, yeah. whereas if they played in, you know, somewhere in the Southeast, maybe they would have gotten 10 FBS offers, but because they play in the West, they only have two FBS offers and they go to Montana State. And so I think there are advantages there being in those more rural rural areas where you're not competing with a bunch of other FBS teams. Certainly. Brian, did you have anything else? No, I, I guess we could probably get you out of here on on, on this is, uh, you know, there's been some rumors, discussions, uh, you know, veiled public comments about potential FCS playoff expansion. I know there's been a lot of talk about that at the FBS level, especially now that the Big Ten deals are done. But, you know, what is kind of the, the state of the FCS playoffs? And, and will this be a sport really that, uh, you know, once the NCAA actually goes back to uh, the marketplace for, for a lot of their TV contracts in the next couple of years. Is, is this a place where they could get some big in- increases out of that uh, new deal? Yeah. So for the, the FCS playoff expansion, um, that's something big sky commissioner, Tom Wishersill told me about uh, on, on my podcast. And, and he yeah. kind of, I understood the reasons he laid out um, at the time. Uh, this was back in like February uh, where his idea was to make the, the FCS playoffs goals go from 24 teams to 28 teams. And the reason for that is the increase in auto bids um, where there's going to be two or three more auto bids, which means less at large bids, that would usually go to the fourth place Big Sky team, the fourth place or fifth place Valley team. I mean, his thought was that's going to weaken the FCS playoffs. Well, since then, usually the FCS playoffs are 10 auto bids, 14 at large bids. For a little bit, it seemed like that was going to be 12 and 12 with the WAC and the ASUN having their own auto bids. Now they're combining for one auto bid. Next season in 2023, the Big South and the OBC are combining for one auto bid. And so where it looked like it was going to be 12 and 12, now all of a sudden it's back to 10 and 14. Um, and I asked Tom, like, now that it's back to the normal 10 and 14, what's your thought on expansion? He said, it's kind of tabled for now, but at any point, if they get membership, at any point, the Big South and the OVC can separate again and have their own auto bids. It's same thing with the WAC and the ASUN. And so it's something they're monitoring, but I think that has kind of cooled off as far as expanding. As far as the new... You know, if if and this is something you guys would probably know, you know, more than me and, and something Matt, I plan on asking you at some point of of, you know, with the with the current ESPN streaming deal and broadcasting deal where they basically air a, a bunch of, uh, you know, NCAA run tournaments that 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 deal ends in a couple of years. Is the FCS popular enough to be sold separately? Um, I don't know you know yeah. as someone who's an advocate for the fcs and someone who loves the fcs thinks it's a great brand of football you know the games on when they are on national tv they they get over not always but they average around 1 million viewers which i think is more than baseball and softball or right on par with baseball and softball um from what i've looked into um i know like the women's basketball tournament is probably going to be sold separately deservedly so um i don't know the ratings for that but i mean i don't know if if when 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 the FCS championship game got on ABC, you know, that got a couple million viewers, which I know is not what Ohio state is, is, is you know, the college football playoff is, is going to get, but it's still, it's, it's pretty good uh, in my opinion. So, and that's something Tom Worcester told me is, you know, can we 
separated? Can we sell it on its own, whether Fox Sports wants it or, you know, Fox Sports One or ESPN wants to do a better deal for us, whatever the case may be, can we generate revenue for that? I honestly don't know. Um, I like to say yes, but then again, is there a want for the FCS football playoffs that get pretty good ratings, but not, you know, huge, 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 massive ratings. So I don't know if you guys have any insight on that. I know it's a, it's a big question right now of, because I went on North Carolina A&T's podcast and they asked me, does anyone, does any FCS school make money playing in the FCS playoffs? And I said, no, not really, but there is other aspects of it as far as exposure. And I know Montana's former AD told me about the economic impact of hosting three playoff games. And that gets funneled back into the athletic department through those businesses and bars and restaurants. Um, But if there is a way to, better generate revenue in the FCS playoffs. I think that'd be great, but I don't know if you guys have any insight on, on that. I know a lot of people would hear what you guys have to say. I don't know a good solution to this yet. The, 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 it would surprise me a little bit if the FCS playoffs were sold out of that package, because it's one of those things that is popular enough to drive views, but not so popular that you can spin it off at the women's basketball tournament necessarily. And you need to still have some popular things that you can package so you can find a bidder for some for the track and field championships or for some other things that, that the NCAA wants. I, I think I'd have to report that out a little bit more. The idea that there is frustration about not being able to properly control the revenue or financially benefit from a deep FCS playoff run is something I've heard a lot. Um, how to fix it? I, 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 need, I would need to make more phone calls, I think. I, I think one way to fix it is maybe if, if you don't get a, a great, TV deal or whatever is to go away with the bidding process. If you're an unseated team, you have to bid to host. Um, and the fact that the NCAA takes 85% of the ticket revenue from these home playoff games, I think is egregious. I understand why they do it because they're, they're paying for everyone to travel around. And so, so if the NCAA doesn't want to lose a ton of money on the FCS playoffs, they're going to eat a lot of that ticket revenue. But if I'm North Dakota state, Montana, if I'm, any of the commissioners i'm going to the ncaa and saying hey like 85 percent of the ticket revenue is is crazy like what why is ndsu who's selling 18,000 tickets why are they losing money yeah. hosting these games and you guys are eating 85 percent of the ticket so i think that's one way to fix it but again the ncaa might say well for us to pay for all this travel this is what we have to do so again it's 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 a tough market and it's a tough subdivision because there's a lot of interest in it but it's not it's not close to the level of FBS interest. And so it's, it's, there's not a lot of revenue and money to be made, but I think there is more than what is currently being made. Um, but those are, you know, people smarter than me have to have to try to figure that out. Well, I think you've given us some ideas for some other stuff that we want to write about maybe after this season, those are, that might be a little bit of a difficult story to track down in October, but Sam, thanks again for taking so much time uh, for, for us here. Congratulations on all of the, the big success, the, 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 the shows moving off YouTube and everything. And we'll be sure to check in again as we get through this FCS season. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on and always great to, to talk some FCS football on some, some more national platforms like this one. So thanks again. You got it. Uh, Friends, I would be remiss if I did not take this opportunity to also shout out our good friends at Home Field Apparel, the finest purveyors of officially licensed vintage collegiate apparel. You can find a bunch of really great FCS stuff across Home Field Apparel. My wife's One of my wife's favorite shirts is a North Dakota State shirt, uh, which is fun to wear out here in Chicago because then people start asking her about Dakota things. I don't think she's ever even been to the state. Uh, Certainly never been on campus, but stolen valor is a foundational principle of what makes Home Field great. For example, I'm wearing an Illinois shirt. I live in Illinois. 
I've been to Illinois campus a couple of times. Did I go there? No. Uh, but people will think I did when I wear this shirt. So they'll think I'm good at math. Uh, which is which is uh, which is fun. Uh, several of the Dakota programs, several of the Big Sky programs are uh, available on uh, Home Field Apparel. And of course, the biggest program of all, the uh, the just published here, uh, uh, the finishing up this season of, of Big New Saturday, the Ohio State Buckeye Collection. You know, you're shaking your head. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sad. Chance. This is the uh, the end of uh, Big Noon Saturday, so I like uh, you it's, know it's the end of this like a little season. Bit of a loss, you know. Yeah, there, there, there will be others. They have not found every single school yet. I know, but we they've talked to schools through us and through others. Maybe the next Big New season, Big New Saturday, is all about Division Two. Um, I will I, I will say this about the collection was Ohio State collection was great, but Ohio State doesn't have decades of really weird, goofy animal lore and IP the same way that maybe other places do. And maybe Ohio State didn't want to license some of the really bizarre Buddhist Buckeye stuff um, that, that you, you know that you're going to be able to find for other things. But still, buy those shirts, buy shirts from other places, and when you do, use promo code Extra Points to save fifteen percent off of that order. And if you would like us to shill for your thing, the way we so enthusiastically shill for home field shirts, um, the email address is sales at extrapointsmb.com. We will wrap up the rest of our preview series here very soon as we prepare for actual honest to God football coming up. Uh, excited about a couple of the other interviews that we've we've had recently on Collegiate Sports Connect. I had a chance to do a couple that I thought were fascinating about volleyball, uh, to, not and and uh, not just about volleyball, but a coach at, at Rutgers who brought in like a corporate communications person to help their volleyball team learn how to talk to each other which I don't think I fully appreciated was a especially unique challenge in volleyball, but it is. And you know what? If you learn how to deliver uh, direct feedback to somebody you care about, uh, but, but, but still communicate high expectations, like, listen, like that's like three quarters of what marriage counseling is. Like this, this is going to make you, make you a good boss and make you for other, uh, successful on a bunch of other things. We have that on there and uh, uh, some good stories on extra points about media rights, about the Big Ten television deal, about Division Two television deals, which you can find all at extrapointsmb.com. Brian, anything else you'd like to plug for the people before we let them go? No, I mean, I, I think that just about covers it. I mean, we you mentioned Collegiate Sports Connect. We have uh, several fun interviews uh, at the end of uh, last week and, and going into this week that, you know, on, not only on the docket, but uh, already published. I mean, we were talking with uh, somebody that worked at Vanderbilt who is, uh, you know, their son is in the Little League World Series and they're a coach. So uh, some some unique uh, interest stories that go beyond just the, the football field or, you know, you mentioned media rights. We, we have a ton of stuff on that already, but uh, if you're a little tired of People discussing what uh, this Big Ten TV deal. Here's a here's a nice heartwarming story. Uh, giving into the going into the uh, Little League World Series this weekend. Yeah, um, be sure to check includes Sports Connects free, and uh, we will share some more of that moving very forward. Brian, go get some sleep. I'm gonna go pound a Red Bull myself because it's been it's been a couple of days. We got to get ready. We'll catch up with y'all on the internet again very soon.